0: What makes good sex good?
1: <laughs> ah, great. The, the the golden question.
0: Trust and patience and talking. I wasn't scared to communicate what I wanted, and neither was she. <laughs> Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Peak, the talk show about what makes good sex good. My name is Robin, and today I am joined with my friend, Nico. How are you today? Today I'm doing really well. I'm really
1: happy to be alive and have been practicing some yoga this morning. Feeling good.
0: That's wonderful. Really good. Good. So, I think we should dive right in.
1: Sounds good. Okay.
0: Okay. So, Nico, how would you describe your sexual identity and your sexual personality? Let's see. I
1: was raised in a pretty conservative household, and I did not really come out or really think about my sexual identity explicitly until I was in college at some point, um and i was in the library i remember with my best friend at the time and she was working on a german project with someone and they and they said you know your gay friend in the beanie over there and uh she was like no she's not gay and uh and then he was like well she doesn't know it yet and so my friend told me that story and i went home and i was like i just really couldn't get that out of my my consciousness my mind and i went to sleep and i was really thinking about it and Yeah, I I came to explore that within myself that year, and then I went to study abroad, and I had this one kind of motive. It was like, and I discussed this with my partner, my boyfriend, prior to leaving, and it was all consensual and all talked about, and I was like, okay, what happens in Austria stays in Austria. It was like this thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to, like, explore this. There's no rules except what happens in Austria stays in Austria. It was like a, like a pretty, like a movie or something. And so there was, um, this one girl that I hung out with a lot there and I had a huge crush on her, whatever. I was just kind of going a little bit, um, having my adolescence just a little bit late socially. Um, and then, you know, we, we didn't, like, have sex, but we made out several times. She was kind of one of those people that – she was a good friend of mine, and when she got drunk, she was like, all right, let's make out. I was like, great. And I had um, a lot of sleepovers with her, and the person that she started dating, dating, and the person that she's dating is a man she's marrying in a couple weeks. Um, so that was uh, kind of my first – like, real experience there. Right before I left Europe, it's like, three days before I was leaving. I was like, oh, no, like, this is my time. This, my time is running out, and I um, went out with my friends that night, and I, to this day, I don't really know. I don't think my friends put this person up to it, but it just so happened that there was a girl there that liked me, and I was feeling so nervous, so I was drinking. Right now, in my life currently, I do not get drunk really ever. Um, but at that time I was just unable to manage my anxiety and I was like, Whoa, this might actually happen. And so I got very, very drunk and it was called the brick. I think it was like a, a bar called the brick. Anyway, I ended up going home with this girl who was 26 at the time and I was 21, I think, or 20 and, There was also this guy that we met at the bar that followed us home. And so my very first time I was sleeping with a woman was also a threesome, um, which is bizarre knowing everything else about me. Uh, I tend to be very demisexual, very, I have to know someone for a very long time before I feel safe and comfortable with them. But on this particular night, I just felt like I had to figure this out and uh, so I went with it. Um, I don't really remember in the morning what, what exactly happened, but because I was still so, so drunk, but I remember it being sort of a sad situation. She was kind of telling me about her life and she was like, I remember her name was Sylvia and she was, telling me that oh with women it's easier it's gentler men are so mean and hard and I was like do you want to be my pen pal it was very very little boy of me very sweet little kid of me and she kind of laughed at me and she was not being very kind so that whole situation I couldn't get like the smells and the images out of my mind from that and I felt this kind of deep Lutheran guilt in my solar plexus and I was just like fuck that wasn't fun like that wasn't me and I concluded that I must not be gay and I was just like all right it's in the books it's done I flew home the next day and I was just like you know I went back and my boyfriend and I were still dating and it was it was like that was a small just kind of, like, side story to my usual life. Like, it was really isolated for a while. And then I was living with my uh, best friend at the time in Houston because I had no idea what to do after college. And she was like, hey, do you want to live with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll live with you. And I worked at Whole Foods and really had no clue what I was doing. In retrospect, there's any number of things I could have done, just like tramped around the country, but I wanted to live with her. And then I was like, oh, no, that thing that I thought I left in Europe, it's not in Europe. <laughs> it's with me. Uh, and I felt some sort of complicated and painful emotions there because I was like, well, you know, we can't do anything because we're best friends and also I'm not gay. And also she's not gay. And, um, then she, one night also involving alcohol, she, you know, made out with me in the kitchen and I was like, no, no, you know, you're drunk. Let's go to bed. You know, like I'm going to gently lovingly parent style, put you in bed. And, uh, she, you know, it was like pulling me on to her and that. And I was like, no, 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 like, let's talk about this in the morning. And then we just didn't really ever talk about it. And then the next week, my boyfriend came down to visit me and we were talking on the couch about what I wanted to do. Did I want to become a yoga teacher? Did I want to become a physical therapist? Blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, or, you know, just we can get married. And I was like, okay. And I don't know, in that moment, I was like, this is a terrible idea. But I was like, okay. And so we did. We got married. It was like a whole big shebang. Like, I had, like, long hair. I was in the white dress. All of our families were there. It was in Santa Fe, the city that I was born in. It was like a whole big, giant thing, family style. Both of our families were Lutheran, but we were both secret closet queer people into weed and philosophy. And so it just seemed to work out in this weird kind of way. We were best friends. Very, very, very close dear friends. We just shouldn't have gotten married. Um, and same sort of situation happened when I w- was living here in Austin. I was going to therapy and... My friend at the time here in Austin um, was my co-worker, and it was the night of the Supreme Court decision on marriage equality. And everybody was celebrating. I was at Rain, this uh, gay bar downtown on 4th Street, and I was in one of the stripper cages. I think they've since gotten rid of those stripper cages. I may or may not have had something to do with it. But I was in one of them and I was like dancing on the outside of that. And I was throwing out these gay flags. And then I had this moment of like this flashback. And I was like, oh, no, it's still with me. (laughs) It's not in Europe. It's not in that apartment in Houston anymore. It's like it is real. And there's some part of me that I'm i just like looking at all everybody around me. And like there is something there is something so similar about me to everybody around me what could it be? And it's like, it's like staring me right in the face. And then I was like, Oh no, I am so gay. And I just like had this moment like while in the stripper cage, like throwing confetti and stuff. And so I don't don't know. I felt really sad. I tried to like get out of the car while it was moving that night. Again, drunk. There's so many reasons. uh, (laughs) I should have stopped drinking way sooner. I'm so glad that I don't really drink anymore. But um, I got out of the car and I was running and I was in this ditch, like, really late at night, maybe 3 a.m. And I was thinking, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, you know, it was a, a very kind of surreal experience. But then I was like, okay, you're going to either just, like, keep here, keep lying here in this ditch, or you're going to get up and you're going to live your life and it's going to get really complicated, probably, And it'll be painful, but you can handle each step of the way. And so I did. I got up and I walked up through the thing and uh, my friend was still there. And so was my partner at the time. And I was going to therapy and went to a party where I met a girl that changed my life. Uh, The same kind of situation happened and I was like, Well, I'm married. I am going to have to figure that out. I'm either going to have to be in a polyamorous relationship or get a divorce. And that's going to absolutely destroy my relationship with my family, let alone coming out. Because, as I mentioned, my family is extremely uh, conservative Lutheran. Family, for the most part. Uh, My biological father was not. And he's kind of who I turned to for support in a lot of this, along with my friends. Um, but that person that I initially had feelings for, I kind of, over the next few years, talked it out with her and with people. And she's now my very best friend in the entire world. And she showed me what unconditional love was. And so my story has been really uh, beautiful. And I feel really lucky that I've had the support system and the family that I've met here. Um, and yeah, I, it was a whole big, long process. My mom and I didn't talk for a very long time. And it was, you know, it was kind of one of these things where like my worst fears came true and then you live through them and you're like, okay, well we'll see if I'm invited to Christmas Turns out I was, and that's good, and things are really different now with my family, really, really different, and my mom has, I mean, she's doing her best, but she has definitely told me, she's like, if you would be different, if you would change back to how you used to be, we could have a closer relationship, you know, and I thought about that, I'm like, okay, well, I just can't can't do that it's my own life to live too so yeah it's definitely been a a real roller coaster of a of a thing but I'm really happy to have found at least in my sexuality itself some homeostasis um I've always like my sister has always told me you feel like an older brother to me and so the last couple years have been more gender identity and identity exploration rather than sexuality exploration but all of that keeps coming back around, um, and talking about who um who are you attracted to that brings in the notion of like gender binary. But you know I don't really think that I fall in either of those categories necessarily. Um so very so to me sexual my sexual identity is very tied to my like, gender and spiritual identity. I feel most like a boy, a demi-boy, um, but I am female-bodied. So it's kind of one of these things. Uh, I say my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. Or, you know, if I'm in an airport, everybody thinks I'm a guy, and I get served a lot, and I'm like, okay, sure. Um, I had a roommate that said they don't really care what pronouns anybody uses because each is just like a different version of them. And as I've been studying yoga, it's kind of this cool thing because I get to remember that I'm a self with a capital S and that right now I have a female body, but in a deep part of me, I feel this kind of like ageless, genderless consciousness that I feel very happy to have found and very happy that that's my story. And that brings me a lot of peace and joy in all of that whole scenario from going from like a very... (laughs) very closeted, awkward, female presenting person to this kind of flowing juggler person. Also, I'm still floating around in my life, but I definitely have a much more secure foundation in who I am and my sexual identity,
0: gender identity.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on that.
1: Oh, and a really kind of interesting side story from all of that. My partner, uh, started going to therapy and had this kind of existential crisis. Also at that time when I broke, broke up with him, I was like, Hey, I was in a towel at the time. I just taken a bath, came downstairs and I was like, Hey, I don't think we can be married anymore. He was like, Okay. And then over the next few months, he, Got laser hair removal and grew his hair and started wearing dresses and, uh, changed his name. I won't give, give their last name, but they now go by they. Them, as far as I understand, we've kind of lost contact, but they live in New Mexico and their name is Skylar. And yeah, I, for a very long time, they explored their sexuality and I am fairly certain that they're I mean, they're very queer, but I think that they're also attracted to multiple genders. And um, they went through their own revolution also. So I'm really happy that we both did that. Um, Sad that we lost our friendship, but um, happy that we both have found that peace within ourselves.
0: Do you think that the fact that you both had some level of gender and sexual exploration that you were, I I guess, um, both eventually destined to experience. Do you think that was something that brought you guys together? Or was that something that you guys did not talk about together? Yeah, I mean, I think it brought us together in
1: ways that we were not aware of or conscious of explicitly like we didn't meet and we weren't like hey like let's talk about sex and who do you like and all this we just kind of came together because we were both really smart and into philosophy and into talking about the world in general talking about different world religions and spirituality um smoking a lot of weed (laughs) at that time um And I was just fascinated by his, like, absolute lack of care for what other people thought of him. I was really, I really admired that. He was just like, I'm just going to say whatever I want to because I don't have time for anything else. And that was novel to me at that time. I was like, whoa, that's great. I want to be like that. Um, The converse of that is that some people might interpret that as rude. You want to have that balance. Um, But we just kind of came together because at my college in Lubbock, Texas, I went there because I got uh, a good merit scholarship. But it's definitely not the place on this planet that I think is the most aesthetically pleasing or full of the most um, enlightening Enriching culture necessarily, but um, yeah, we just found each other because there was not that many people who were into school in the same way that we were and into having discussions and, you know, writing poetry and having those kinds of discussions. So I think that because we were both very, very odd, strange people, we saw that charm in one another and we found safety in one another. We just um kind of were like all right you know we can we can have sex but there wasn't real attraction there was definite safety and that kind of begs the question of like what is a relationship i think people want it to be both exciting and fun and you want to be attracted to the person but you also want that safety we had all safety and all friendship with no attraction On my end, anyway. I was definitely attracted to his spirit, but somehow I let myself kind of just
0: justify that.
1: I didn't know any better.
0: Do you think that has to do with your demisexuality?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that I am very, very demisexual. Like... If I, and what does problem. that mean
0: to you for listeners who might not be familiar with that word?
1: So basically you, uh, the way I
0: experience it is
1: I have to be very, very, very close emotionally and spiritually before I can be physically close to another person. Um, or even really feel attraction for them. Like that's another thing that played into my, late coming out, I think, because people would be watching the Olympics, right? My family, my cousins, friends, be like, oh, my gosh, look at that swimmer. He is so hot. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, really. I mean, like, I can see that he looks aesthetically pleasing, but I didn't really understand that, like, see something, I'm attracted to that person. And same thing with women. I mean, when I was first trying to figure out my sexuality, I was Googling images of men and women, and I was like kind of assessing how I felt looking at their bodies. How scientific? Which was interesting. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> from a science community, so I tend to approach things that way. When I have no clue, I poll people, or I just, you know, I I asked a bunch of my friends. I was like, "Do you think? Do you think I'm gay? Like, and why? Can you tell me about this?" So I just kind of interviewed the people closest to me, and I did a lot of like research. And I went to, like, public places, and I watched people, and I was like, I don't really feel attracted to anybody. And then so there was a time I was like, okay, maybe I'm ace. But then I was like, no, there is definitely a vibrant sexual being inside of me. I don't know. It's not – I'm not – I have interest in sex. And so that's where demisexuality comes into place. Like, if I have safety uh, around someone – um, and they've proven that they're a good and trustworthy person and they're attractive to me, then I will probably be in love with them. <laughs> I mean, like I'm either like zero or 10 kind of. Um, And when I love people, I love them forever. Kind of a strange thing. Like I'm that best friend. I talked about like, this is just public knowledge. I mean, I love her like a, unconditionally like deeply spiritually. Yeah. I, I've talked about this with many friends. I still don't really understand what love means, but to me, sexuality and love are very, very linked. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess we're all still on the path and I guess I'm still figuring it out, but I have a girlfriend currently and we've been seeing each other on and off for the last three years. And that's been, really helpful in helping me understand my sexuality and myself. Uh, The very first time that we were like in the same bed together, like for an extended amount of time hanging out, she was like, is there something that you want me to do? And then I was like panicking and I was like, no. And she left. And then I felt like very, very strange physically. And I was like, oh no, I'm like really, really, really aroused right now. And that was, I don't know, um, it's interesting that I got to have that experience in my mid-20s because I feel like that's a common thing that people have earlier on. But, yeah, I definitely feel like I have to have a great deal of safety around a sexual experience for it to be good. Um, that's what was so confusing to me. I had slept with a woman when I was 20, 21, um, in Europe, but that was, it was not good. I mean, we both enjoyed ourselves at the time, but I, afterwards, I felt this, like, deep kind of hollowness inside of me, like a piece of my soul I had accidentally given away.
0: Wow. Yeah, a little dramatic. (laughs) No, but, I mean... It was an intimate experience and it sounds like you tried something and realized that it was not so much the content of the experience, but like the style of it that just like, wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm not in your head. Um, would you be willing to talk to us about your first time having sex or a significant early sexual experience?
1: Yeah, so I kind of went through that that scenario. It seems like it it's a scenario from, like, a very bizarre TV show or film or something. I was running down the street, and this guy from the bar was following us, and he was like, can I come? And we were both like, ah, I guess so. So mostly it was, like, them two having sex, and I was kind of, like, trying to, be involved with the situation but not with him I was like I don't really really want to interact with him that was not a good experience but my first time having sex that was a good experience I would be very glad to talk about that is uh that is my the reason you know what what helped me figure out that I am indeed gay it was like the hallelujah chorus kind of situation um (laughs) it was on july 4th i had gone down to visit um my girlfriend we were not dating at the time we were friends i'm trying to decide if i should use her name i'll just say jay um good plan jay and i were um talking that that evening so july 3rd about um you know, whatever, but I sense that there was some kind of, like, I mean, we both kind of felt it in the air that, like, oh, I think we might like each other, or at least there might be some kind of potential thing here. We were alone. There was, like, I had brought beer. We made dinner, and I said, how do you feel about me at one point, And she said, I think you're cute, and I like you. And then there was a pause, and I said, I think I feel similarly and then we were on this mattress on the floor, and the whole night, I was just like, I felt my heart pounding. Just the entire night, I was unable to sleep, but I was kind of pretending to sleep. And I think she was pretending to sleep, but the whole night, we were just like <laughs> holding each other and cuddling, but not talking or anything at all. So I was just kind of like waiting all night. And so it was by the time the sun came up, I hadn't slept this entire night. I was very, very tired. And then I look over at her and I was like looking down at her and I was like, okay. And so I just kissed her and that was amazing. Beautiful. We made out and then it was like this, like a one fluid movement kind of like symphony. And it was like an all day experience of us having sex multiple times in multiple places it was just like uh really beautiful and there was just this rawness and authenticity to it and at one point when she first had um gotten naked she was like you know this this is me and and I won't ever forget the look in her eyes and I just smiled because I thought that she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen and in that in that vulnerability because there was already that friendship there Mm -hmm. and yeah I had forgotten that it was July 4th and so the joke is that like yeah we made our own fireworks right (laughs) so yeah I don't know we it was it was a really beautiful and powerful experience where I didn't have to be dating her but I definitely had to feel like like she was a safe person and I did And I got a lot of really positive feedback from that. And that made me feel really, really happy and good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I am not broken. You know, this is actually what I've been meant to do my whole life. It was very affirming. And our story goes up and down and around again. But we're together right now still. And I feel very grateful for that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you guys get together ultimately? Well, like for dating for reals, um I'm I
1: really feel like my life was a little bit complicated for a while because I was kind of late to coming out and so when I came out I, I came out like I am super queer. I'm going to explore all of it. I'm just going to be... I was seeing a therapist at the time that was like, you can do whatever you want as long as you're being honest. And so I had this like extreme freedom burst, and I was talking to her about, I like you, but I'm pretty panicky as far as commitment goes because I just got out of a marriage. Also, I really want to explore being poly. I I felt that my time was slipping by, and I really had to get life I really had to like not limit myself in any sort of a way by any sort of a commitment and so there was a a few complications because I felt convinced that I liked other people and throughout all of that she was like you know okay this is hard but okay and I think a big turning point in my life was when there was a period of time when I told her that I liked someone and that I, I couldn't in good conscience, like be with her. And so we had to break up for that summer. And that was really hard because I still want to be friends and we were still friends. Um, but, and during that time, another person liked me briefly. We had a, a physical relationship and, that was an interesting one because the tables felt turned. Like, I was now the one who knew a lot of what I was doing sexually. And ultimately, though, I think that that didn't work out because there wasn't a safety and a trust. My, my dad, my father, died in a climbing accident Uh, that summer also, so it was just kind of like a pretty wild summer of emotions and I had to fly out there. And when I came back, I just felt very, very disconnected from everything and everyone. But then at this party, uh, I invited everybody that I knew sort of a wacky idea, but the one person that I felt really, really safe around was Jamie and I felt very, uh, Happy to to have her back in my life again. I hadn't seen her in weeks, and we ended up sleeping together that night. And ever since then, I have been absolutely, you know, convinced that I was in that I'm in love with her. And we got back together officially in February of that of that year, uh, of that following year. Um, She took a few months to make sure that that was what she wanted and that's what was best. And, yeah, that's how, that's officially when we got back together. So, um, on and off for three years, but really it's been like a year and a half of solid commitment dating. Wow. hmm
0: so you spent some time exploring being poly um, and you now currently have this very intimate relationship with your partner. So mm-hmm. would you be willing to talk about um, some more of your most positive sexual experiences?
1: Yeah, I'm like kind of amused at the thought of thinking about her listening to this. Um, so I'll try and be as respectful as I can of, of that. But yeah, I would say that probably my most interesting and freeing and fun moments have been when I get to explore my role as either bottom or top or my role As a, you know, as a boy. So I feel very like I'm not a man. I always say like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm in the wrong body necessarily. I just went through puberty really early and I wasn't ready for it. And I told my yoga community yesterday, I was like, and I don't think I'll ever really be ready for it. I wasn't ready when I was eight, which was really early and I wasn't ready ever. And so I just feel like it's kind of forest child boy Peter Pan (laughs) so yeah 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 exactly so I feel very Peter Pan in a lot of ways so in this safe space I get to explore that and the time that's coming to mind is a time when we first uh used a strap-on and that is that was pretty revolutionary for me um because I was like Oh yeah, this is, this is great. This is right. I mean, any, anything that we do, um, I kind of approach it in the way that my body wants to. You know, that's what's beautiful about being queer is there's zero rules and you just get to be yourself. Um, and I really like that she sees me for really who I am and I feel very affirmed and she really liked it too. And that was, really beautiful and great. I was worried. I think I was, I was kind of like this excited, but nervous, very concerned boy being like, is it okay for you? Are you okay? You know, like really checking in <laughs> a whole lot of times, you know, very kind of un- unable at first to focus on myself at all, just because I was checking in with her. And it was, and it was great. Uh, right after that, she was like, you know, you want to switch? And I was like, okay. <laughs> but but then that turned bad pretty immediately. And I ended up just kind of being in the fetal position and, like, oh, no. cried a little. And then I was like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, there's – I think the most interesting thing is just exploring – who I am and being able to kind of give feedback and you really need, you don't need another person to explore who you are, but like there's some things that, that you explore and the dynamic of a relationship that you can't really do on your own. And I feel very grateful that I've had those chances and opportunities to do that. I guess I'm thinking because I, for years and years you know, was in a relationship... My very first relationship, actually, was with a boy in high school. And he's also... Everybody says he looks like a lesbian with, with long <laughs> hair. Like, a really, really muscular. He's, like, real into acro now. It, it started out with martial arts, but um, he... And I basically had a lesbian relationship because in my Christian mind, I was like, we can do anything that's not penetration. It just turns out that I was super gay and didn't want that anyway. So it was just perfect in my mind. I like got to have all the kinds of sex that I like. And the one I wasn't allowed to have was, you know, the kind that I hate. <laughs> and so, so that was that worked out pretty well for me. And. Yeah, I explored penetration with with my partner currently, and it's just not a thing that I, like, really like um 98% of the time. Um, and I guess just as we have this comfortable thing, we are like, okay, what do you want to do or try? And doing things like... Um, being in situations where we're near people, and then she'll do something like sexual, and I'm like, "Jamie, what the? No, we can't do that." And just being um able to communicate, like the other day, she's like, "Hey, let's just try this new thing." I was like, "Yeah, okay, let's do that." Um, we had not ever. It's more of like a novel concept, 69 nining, and we did, and it was great and fine it wasn't necessarily you know as revolutionary of a thing as when we first tried to strap on um but i really appreciate and like the the safety and the exploration involved Yeah,
0: yeah it sounds really awesome that uh you guys can try things and experiment and explore together. Um, and that it's understood that if something turns out not to be good, you can stop and you can. Yeah. At. And I think that's yes. so important.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, too. Yeah. It is so baffling to me that for many, many years, I just kind of was like. Able to rationalize myself, well, this is what people do. If I'm a woman and I'm an adult, like I am, I'm doing this thing that I'm not really, I'm not really into. And so my life is just so much more authentic and safe now. I feel very, very glad that, that there's this like total consent and safety built in.
0: That's awesome. Um, so you're talking about your, current relationship with your partner and Mm -hmm. you talked a little bit about um the sex that you had with your high school boyfriend where Mm -hmm. and and i actually find it very almost ironic that your lutheran christianity almost gave you permission to exclusively explore like (laughs) kind of queer sex (laughs) yeah (laughs) as opposed to uh penetrative sex
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really in the Bible about like, you can do everything but penetration. But that's kind of how I rationalized it in my mind. Because, you know, I'm an adolescent human. And we all want want to explore that. Like, yeah, (laughs) I think that that's hilarious, too. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way. But yeah,
0: I had a lot (laughs) of
1: queer sex in high school. I just swept under the rug and called it not sex. (laughs)
0: That does sometimes happen. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd like to ask, what was sex like with your husband when you were married?
1: Um, if you're
0: comfortable talking about that.
1: Yeah, that's a that's probably like the most baffling sort of question that I've thought about. Um, I think it's probably the hardest question to answer. I kind of... I don't know. I don't want to say, like, I disassociated necessarily, but I kind of, I kind of did. And in retrospect, I think I even was, like, exploring how it felt. But there was a safety, like, I am, I am myself, and I am, like, a Peter Pan boy. So there was this, like, I had this safety of, like, this is, in my mind, like, this is a queer experience. There's safety. Like I am not, I don't know. I kind of just the whole time had to have like a mental, mental thing going on of where I was like, this is still safe to me. Um. Yeah, it's bizarre. A very long relationship happened in my life where I didn't have attraction to that person's body, which is one of the most baffling questions about my life. But I think it sort of makes sense because I'm a very spiritual person. And for a lot of years, I wasn't connected with my own body very much. I've been trying to really work on that this last year with yoga, yoga therapy, juggling and um, massage, just trying to get, get back into my body. But I think because I was just focusing on the spiritual aspects of our relationship, I was not, um, really in my body very much. I think I disassociated and kind of went somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. How long were you together?
1: Me and my uh, partner, my husband, um, we were married for two and a half years, but prior to that, we um, were together for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that it helped that that whole time I was able to kind of finish developing the aspects of my personality that I still needed to. Like there was, I had a lot of kind of father issues so that there was like a, a safe man that I could be friends with and stuff that allowed me to finish developing in ways that I really needed to, to have a safe um, male bodied person in my life. Um, so I think it was ultimately beneficial to my life. Uh, to have that. Yeah.
0: Would you talk a bit about your relationship with yoga and juggling and massage? Uh,
1: My relationship with each of those things individually. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I've been juggling ever since I was in high school, pretty early high school. There was a club at my school called juggling club and my two best friends were in it and my very 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 best friend uh she lives in seattle now and she's a phenomenal juggler she's just kind of like uh jack trades kind of person um and so that's always been a meditative kind of thing for me while i haven't been fully in my body i've been very much in my hands arms and eyes and that is congruent with my work as an artist and illustrator, too. Um, I And even in my dance movements, I focus on this kind of space in between the triangle formed by my arms and my head. So I'm very in this uh, front periphery space, this constrained sphere in front of me. And so juggling has always been a way that I could use my body in ways that I felt very... Uh, very sure of and I don't know it it goes along with my Peter Pan identity this notion of play and being very free and light uh, playful in a jester sort of way Um, massage uh, I went and had a free massage gifted to me by a dear friend in Paonia Colorado um, I was staying with her to empty out my father's storage unit and she, uh, was like, Hey, there's, there's a massage place right across the the way and, uh, you can, you can have one. And initially I was very nervous, um, just because I'd only ever really received massages from partners. Um, but that experience was so changing for me because it brought in this whole thing of like intimate, intimate safety, And touch doesn't have to be sexual at all. And there's, you know, it can be totally not not connected to anything else. And I wasn't really hugged or touched very much as a kid. And so that massage was really, uh, really changing for me. So I went back home to Austin and and I've had many massages ever since then. Um, Each one healing. Um, I'm reading this book right now called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's by Bessel van der Kolk, and it is really interesting talking about um, how people who have experienced trauma don't always connect with their bodies, and the way to heal that and bring your hippocampus back up to speed and bring health to it again, shrink your amygdala to a size where it should be, is through touch, massage, and yoga. Uh, I started this yoga teacher training in March, at the beginning of March, and both the community and the actual practice of yoga coming back into my life in a big way has changed me. Uh, I'm calmer and definitely more able to regulate my emotions. Um, so I feel very happy that... I kind of took the plunge because in yoga classes where I think a lot of times here in Austin, I saw young people who were cisgendered or white women and I felt alienated in, in some yoga classes. But then I had this idea of like, well, okay, if I don't like the way the world is, I just have to go and change it because there's probably other people feeling the same way. Um, and so me and a few other people in my program have this like mantra this uh yoga is for everybody is uh, is what is what we're saying and there's a few people who are older in my class a few people of color one woman who is deaf um just uh one one man who's a, an awesome bass player and he's all super tattooed everywhere like full sleeves on all of his limbs And it's really cool to see that diversity uh, coming into yoga. And I've got this kind of fire in me about being queer, being Peter Pan, being yogi and helping other people heal in the same pattern that I have. Because it's just the more you're in your body, the more capable you are of handling your own emotions. I mean, they are they're not, they're not just like correlated. They're one and the same, right? So when you heal your body and you, you become more physically balanced and centered and you build your proprioception, your body awareness, you also build your ability to stay calm in certain situations and to heal emotionally.
0: Wow. That's yeah, so it's cool. really cool. Are you going yeah. to have, um, do you have dreams of opening your own yoga studio?
1: Maybe someday I think that I'm bouncing between two dreams kind of how I always have been my whole life. Uh, so on one hand I'm an artist and I want to pursue art illustration animation. Um, and then on the other hand, I'm just so fascinated by all of this stuff, the neuroscience of yoga and what happens in the brain, why it works. Um. If exercise is so, so, so beneficial to emotional regulation, I would think that more psychotherapists would employ that as part of therapy. And again, like if I don't like the way the world is right now, I should go and be a part of that change that I want to see. So that's my goal is to be a part of that shift in bringing more body stuff into uh, how we process and deal with our emotions.
0: That's really and th- cool.
1: And I think the world is doing that. I mean, meditation apps are like everywhere and podcasts about meditation and yoga. I mean, we're all we're all waking up to it at the same time. Definitely. And I feel grateful to be alive in this time.
0: Awesome. So would you, my my last main prompt for you is, would you tell us about how you have grown and how your understanding of sex has changed from when you were in high school first discovering that to where you are now?
1: Yeah, what have I learned? Um, yeah, I guess just that, when I was in high school, it was so exciting and fun because it was like, I knew that it was so forbidden. And I think that that was a huge part of how I experienced sex prior that it was so forbidden. It was exciting for that reason. We're like sneaking around places and I was literally sneaking out of my window and having <laughs> kind of sex in a car and a park and near a canyon. Um, <laughs> that's like you know, kind of how I experienced it at first. And it was, I experienced it in a certain role. And that was the, like, one that was, like, pulled along. It's fun. And I was totally, it was very consensual. You know, it wasn't like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. It was like, but I had to be kind of, like, pulled along into it. Mm -hmm. And as I've grown and evolved, it hasn't always been that way. I haven't always experienced it, like, you know, I've, as I've grown and evolved, I've experienced it from many different angles now. And I enjoy exploring the one who's the like, initiator. Um, and I have found a lot of power in that. Before I, I really was only able to access and enjoy sex when it was like this forbidden thing. And I was kind of cajoled into it. And it took me a while. But I think now I really like to be the one that's sexual and initiating and doing all those things that previously my high school boyfriend was doing. And I'm very, I feel powerful in general now, uh, just because of various things that I've been able to accomplish and overcoming fears that that I always had, you know, just sort of familial rejection, that sort of thing. But yeah, in, in exploring these things that I, I've wanted, like being able to say like, Hey, like let's use the strap on. Can we order it, ordering it, doing all, all these different hurdles, um, to get to where I am now. And me just being able to say in words or with my body, it's, this is something that I want right now. Are you into it? Um, that's been very powerful. And, you know, times when I've not been with my partner and me being out and me exploring the world and walking around confidently and getting numbers and people telling me that they like me or, or that brief relationship that I had. Um, all of that, that helped me to be much more in a power role. Um, not necessarily like dominating, but sometimes. And then conversely, I, I can go back around to how I initially was and we have a pair of handcuffs. We haven't used it in a while, but <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe sometime soon. Um, I can kind of like bringing both that power aspect to it. I can say, Hey, let's use this and. I can be once again in that position of uh, of vulnerability and um, not the one in control, releasing control. I think there's so many different ways for us to uh, help heal things outside of sex that we can heal within the bedroom, within a safe context.
0: I think so, too. Well, Nico, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. This has been a really beautiful experience, really enlightening, and I'm really happy and honored to be on The Peak.
0: I'm honored to have you. Do you have any closing words before you go? Uh, Just thank you for doing this for the world. I think that
1: the more that we talk about sex and our experiences with sex, the better the world is and the less taboo it becomes. And the more we share in that community, because it's such a beautiful part of life. And I think that even still in 2019, there's people getting really upset over things that don't need to, like I was reading this article this morning about this kid show, Arthur, and there's a same sex marriage scene in it. And a bunch of people are getting upset over that. So Thank you for being a positive force in the world, getting uh, sex out there and talking about it and making it accessible and talking about everything queer, not queer, um, and bringing humanity together.
0: Thank you. I'm doing mm-hmm. my best. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. All right. Well, until next time, Nico. See you later. <laughs> thanks for listening to the peak which was hosted and produced by me robin wheelock our theme music was produced by johnny manchild of johnny manchild and the poor bastards you can follow the peak on facebook or on twitter and instagram at listen to the peak for more information visit us at thepeak.blueberry.net that's thepeakb if you want to support the peak you can make a contribution to our coffee, Venmo, or PayPal accounts so that we can make better and more frequent episodes for you. You can also support us by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or wherever it is you listen. Thank you.